let me welcome you to this week in interview and our special guest for the entire hour tonight is Sam Raphael. Sam Raphael is the owner and developer of Jungle Bay Resort and Spa on the southeast coast of Dominica and he's with us he had a small emergency and he was a little, a little bit but he's he's with us and let me just say welcome to you sam thank you fontaine and uh, good evening to your listening audience the dominican.net i'm i'm quite familiar with the dominican.net newspaper and i'm uh, quite excited about the radio program so i'm very happy to talk uh, with your audience here tonight all right, certainly, and it's great to have you. Um, you've been in the news lately, but we'll talk about that. But I, I wanted to kind of g give our audience a sense as to as to who you are, you know, what you've done in Dominica. And firstly, let me let me begin actually by congratulating you for what you have done. And and I mean, I've, I saw the the place that you developed before it was Jungle Bay, and to me, you took uh, nothing and made it into what is. Uh, is for me one of the probably the, the number one tourist facility of its kind if in the Caribbean if not in the world and you've gotten mentioned in all of the prestigious newspapers here in the United States you've been featured in New York Times Chicago Tribune Miami Herald the Washington Post and all of the major travel travel um, uh, magazines in the world you've been featured and you've given Dominican an unprecedented amount of publicity because of what you've done can you just uh, describe to our listeners who might not be familiar with the kind of product you have in Dominica what exactly Jungle Bay Resorts and Spa is all about well I think first off if they wanted to take a quick look at it everyone has uh, internet I guess by just by virtue of them listening to this program uh, the website is junglebaydominica.com. We've got Dominica in there. It's junglebaydominica.com, and it's a 35-cottage eco-resort. It's on the east coast of Dominica. It's uh, near the White River between Delis and Pitisavan. And what we've uh, attempted to do was to create a model, a replicable model for tourism for Dominica, where we've combined wellness and adventure and also... Some of our interesting features are uh, where we've, uh, you know, demonstrated the the possibility, the merit of preserving the natural environment, which is Jungle Bay, tied the preservation of the natural environment with our economic development. So now our our environment is a tool for prosperity, and also the empowerment of the people of the area through tourism. Uh, we employ 63 people at all levels of our operation. Uh, and also we purchased from quite a few vendors, farmers, fishermen, and so on from the community. And uh, then we also do a bit to preserve and enhance the heritage and culture of Dominica. So that's basically Jungle Bay in a nutshell. I am myself a Dominican from the village of Delvi Chopin. Uh, I'll give you a little background. My family left in the in the St. Croix migration wave. You know, we Dominica has Dominicans have fled uh, the our island economic reasons, trying to provide often a better life for their children, and that's what my parents did with the hope of returning. They didn't get to do that, but I, I returned on their behalf, so they left and went to St. Roy. I went, I studied in the Nomad American University in Washington, D.C. for some time, lived in the D.C. metro area like you, Thompson. 
Okay. I had it back in Troy in the mid-80s, uh, and uh, then uh, late 90s, I had it back in Germany. Excellent. And now, Sam, what was your motivation? What, what made you come back to Dominica? And, and what made you go into that particular venture of Jungle Bay? Well, I had always wanted to do something of this nature. Ever since I was a kid, I went on a camping trip when I was in the fifth grade, and, and that kind of inspired me. So I always wanted to do that. And I had gone back to Dominica, actually, to, to Merrill Lynch, who was interested in managing the government a pension fund, the, the Social Security Fund, and I had approached a new elected government, government, which I was not familiar with, but they recognized that there was a regime change and they wanted to to manage their pension. They asked me if I could speak to these on their behalf. That was in 1995-96 when the UWP came to power. and uh, But they turned that down, uh, you know, for, for reasons at the time that they felt they, they, they were best managing their money. Uh, but then uh, the opportunity came up. Uh, I uh, fell in love with the island, and I fell in love with the location. It was then viewed maybe as the wasteland of, of the of the southeast of, of the Point Milat area, but I saw in that uh, tremendous potential for this campground, and, and that was the genesis of Jungle Bay. And it didn't start out as Jungle Bay as, as a concept, but in it grew, I recognized that people maybe were more likely to want to come to Dominica from faraway places, maybe more in an eco-resort than a campground, and so it kind of morphed into a, an eco-resort, and, and, and the rest is history. I was also interested in, in a more adventure-type facility, uh, but then I got married in 1998 to a young lady, Glenda, who was interested in yoga and the spas and the wellness things. So we combined our vision and we then came up with a product that combines both adventure and wellness. So that's sort of the unique features of, Dom of Jungle Bay. And it's very unique, and, and it has gotten quite a lot, as I indicated earlier, quite a lot of press, and it's becoming quickly becoming one of the most widely um, spoken about resorts of its kind anywhere anywhere in the world. And I, I must say you've done really a, a fantastic, a fantastic job, because what everybody has considered to be wasteland, I mean, if I was looking at this piece of land, I could never have, have imagined that, but you had a, a unique um, vision, and you've been able to to see that realized. Now, Sam, let's talk a little bit about about how this whole thing and and there's a specific reason for me asking this um how this whole um project was funded initially mm -hmm. well the initial funding for the project well the the, the the project is funded basically in thirds one third came through the ex-citizenship program a third is equity in in between and a third came from loans uh, from uh, individuals. So, you know, it, it ended up being about an 18 million EC project, of which 6.1 uh, we were able to get from the economic program. Many Dominicans, I mean, I think we all know that Dominica has or have had economic citizenship programs, and the programs have mainly, mainly been geared towards, you know, the productive sector. Uh, the Freedom Party had a program when, you know, back in the early 90s, the UWP, they re-engineered it, but they they also came up with a semblance of the program. And since the Labour Party has been in power, Labour Freedom, Labour Party, they've also uh, continued this. So it's something that, that uh, we have, we, we received the authorization to raise the funds. None of the funds we used came from tax dollars. 
the, the, the facility didn't have any money in it. They basically said, you go find clients that want to be Dominican citizens. If they pass the due diligence test and we accept them, they will pay 50000 U.S. dollars to Dominica, which you can borrow again. And so it took quite a bit of work on our part and the part of, of our agents and the people involved to raise $2.1 million EC dollars. But again, the fund was handled in, it wasn't consistent. It was, they stopped it for political reasons and made changes and so on and so forth. And it, it ended up really being a, sort of an albatross in some ways, you know, uh, down the road. So we decided to, maybe it was best to seek to obtain the remaining funds through another means, and, and we did that. But fortunately, uh, recently, as, as recently as Monday, we made our payment towards the repayment of this debt, uh, which, which, we, uh, which we, 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 we did on, on Monday. So this, it's the first project to basically have achieved, fulfilled all the objectives of the Economic Citizenship Program. One, to provide a stimulus at a time that it was needed at the time, the background was the banana crisis in the mid to late 90s, and we were able to provide full-time jobs for 70 people in the Daly, La Plaine, Buetica area uh, for five years, from 2000 to 2005. That's the first objective. The second objective was to provide a, 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 a business that had recurring income, that, and we do, we employ 60 people, and that we pay every every pay period a good salaries. We purchase from about 40 farmers, fishermen, and investors. And we've also paid close to two million dollars. Well, we've paid over that now, but around that, uh, in VAT taxes and departure taxes. So the government has realized revenue. People realize income. There's money being spent in the community, and some of the things that you've talked about, unprecedented media coverage, where we've been able to attract millions of dollars in editorial coverage. So that's the second payoff. And the third payoff now is to begin to repay this debt. So the government really has received a win-win-win from this, and it has sort of worked out well for Jungle Bay also. Yes, um, I, and the, as I said, there was a reason why I, I wanted to kind of broach that subject, because as you indicated earlier, you on, on Monday, you, you made the first repayment. And I guess some people have been asking, why were you required to repay this money, considering that, considering the tremendous contribution that you've made to Dominica since Jungle Bay opened? And in a way, that investment that was made has repaid itself. Now, when you compare the investment in Jungle Bay with the investment that was made in the Lyo River Hotel, Lyo River Hotel under the similar type program, but for Lyo River, it, obviously you got six million dollars. I think Lyo River is is in the tens of millions of dollars. I mean, nobody knows if the full cost, but it could it be anywhere from 60 to 70, 80 million dollars that, that has been lost in Lyo. There's not one job to show for it. There are no taxes being paid to government. And yet, I don't hear the same haul and cry for the repayment of the Lyo River Hotel. Yet, you that has invested this money, employing 63 people from the Southeast who otherwise would not be working, you've, you've been utilizing the services of the farmers, using the local foods in, in your restaurant and the, the fresh fish that the fishermen from that area catch and so on. Given the you know so much of that uh, that you've contributed, uh, people have been asking then why are you required to repay this this money? To what end? 
Well, again, Thompson, I take your point. But um, I, I don't think that's for me to determine. I, I borrowed money. I, uh, you know, there were terms and conditions. Again, the terms were modified because the, the program was managed in a way that ended up costing us more. At least, at least that was articulated by the Prime Minister, even though we've been waiting for documentation for four years, which we still haven't received, but he caused to be published. He is offered to make us repay 50% of the debt, and we've proceeded with that. So I think those are questions that Dominicans need to ask, uh, uh, you know, the government. Uh, but it, it's something that I'm not going to engage in. I, we, you know, we're happy to continue to make the contribution, and, and we're doing, we're repaying gladly. So, so that's the position that we're taking. So you're saying that the debt is now down to 50%. You're only required to pay back 50% of the original debt. Well, that is what the Prime Minister had offered uh, five years ago, and we've been trying to get it pinned down to writing. One of the things is when someone utters something publicly and you're doing a business transaction, it's not prudent for you to, 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 to assume that because you could go ahead and repay, and then next thing you know, the Treasury says, well, we don't have any such agreement. You know? Where's the other 50%? So we've been trying to get this in writing from the Prime Minister. Uh, from the government, from somewhere, and we have not. But uh, he articulated it again uh, in, in some comments he made recently appealing to Dominicans to pay their debt. And he was very specific with our program, with, with, with our loan, and he caused it to be published. So it is that causing it to be published that, that gave us now, we, we, we are now starting to repay based on that verbal commitment that he's made. Uh, I also paid the money to my attorney's escrow for further payment to the government once he receives documentation. We've been eagerly trying to get this matter resolved. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the outcries, certainly, Thompson, have been, uh, have been, you know, politically driven in a sense because I've sort of, you know, made statements calling for greater transparency. I, there was the, 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 the whole fraudulent activities around elections, and I... So in fact, in fact, I was about to ask that very question. I was about to ask, is it, um, does it have anything to do with the fact that you contested the last election as an, as an independent candidate and that you've been very focal, as, and we'll talk about this a little later on, as the chairman of the movement for the restoration of democracy? Could that have played a part? Because I can, for the life of me, understand this. Because clearly, what you've contributed in this short time, as you've clearly indicated, millions of dollars uh, that has been contributed in the form of VAT, you're employing people on a sustainable basis. Your project is the only real project, I believe, that has created new jobs in Dominica in the last two or three years. And given everything, it is beyond me that, that these kinds of public pronouncements have been made. And I'm wondering if somehow we don't allow the, our politics to somehow interfere with the economics. And what what certainly sh should be a project that, because my my own sense, Sam, and I'll be I'll be very honest on this, and my own my own sense is that this project, rather than have you repaying this, why not allow you to use that to reuse that money to probably do a similar type project? Because there is a need for it in Dominica. Um, your facility currently has how many rooms? About two hundred rooms now. No, no, no. We have thirty-five rooms. Thirty-five rooms. Okay. Oh. So for the five rooms, so that is something that can be replicated, right? To me, it, right. it that's makes the whole more sense. The whole idea of Jungle Bay was to, to build something that can be replicated in many places on the island. Yeah. 
because I, I because my understanding of the citizenship program was was for just that reason that it would generate that kind of of activity and i'm I, and i'm really disappointed that it has come down to the to the point where and as i said and and what's what's worse with this is that the lie river hotel that have lost millions and millions of dollars i mean <laughs> millions of, of 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 from from the same type of project and nothing has been said or done about it so that to me is is extremely extremely disappointing um so do you so do you think that politics had anything to do with it well, it certainly did, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't just stick with Laiu because there are several other borrowers of, uh, you know, economic citizenship funds in Dominica, and they aren't making any statements one way or the other about accountability and this sort of thing, and you never hear the name mentioned. So clearly, you know, it is, and, and it's always directly connected to when you make a point in Dominica and, and people have a difficult time refuting what you say, then it's the old red herring trick. He needs to go pay his loan. But I, 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 again, Thompson, I, I think that's neither here nor there. I don't even like to dwell on those things. Uh, you know, I just, I've always wanted to put this behind me. You know, since 2005, 2006, I've been seeking to repay this. So I'm more keen to get it out of the way and move on and not even be bothered with with that. If there's any soul searching to be done, let those that need to have their souls search search their souls. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the thing is to move forward. As an investor, I don't think it's prudent for me to just let things continue, you know, and invest on quicksand. We need to have a rules-based economy where everyone adheres to the Constitution, where things are done, you know, in a transparent fashion, where there is, you know, some fairness in the system, justice, the freedom of speech, a viable, balanced government, so on and so forth. As an investor, certainly as Dominique, whether they're at home or abroad, it is in our interest. So, you know, certainly those kind of attitudes and, and seeking to maybe, you know, raise those issues isn't in any way going to discourage me. So, uh, you know, it's either here nor there as far as I'm concerned. That has been resolved. From my end, I'm just waiting for the documentation. My lawyer is waiting for the documentation from the government so that she can forward the payments that I've made to her to them. And I'm done with that. Right now, it has to be on building the economy of Dominica to provide opportunities for persons that are here and even opportunities for Dominicans that have had to leave back a roadmap to you know, improve the environment for investment for Dominicans that have had to leave and Dominicans at home, and uh, continuing to find ways to stimulate tourism, agriculture, etc. So that is the focus at this. Well, Sam, very well said. And let me just uh, tell our, our listeners, in case you just joined us, that you're listening to this week in interview. Our special guest tonight is Sam Raphael, who is the owner and developer of Jungle Bay Resorts in Dominica, uh, one of the newest resorts in Dominica, employing some 63 persons and making quite a meaningful contribution to Dominica's development. Sam, let us talk in more general terms about the tourism product in Dominica. Um, I know for a very long time we've been talking about the role that tourism can actually play, given what has happened to our agriculture where exactly would you rate this product at this time 
is enough been done is it is it has it really lived up to all the hype well i think in in, in some ways um it's sort of a mixed bag huh? we have great tourism natural tourism infrastructure i don't think you can get any better than this we have certainly a world-class island as far as the environment is concerned uh there's a movement towards green certainly in tourism and dominica stands to gain tremendously from that. I think more than any place else in the island, we have a unique brand in the Caribbean, and it's something that's going to bring prosperity to Dominica if we manage it well. But we do have some issues that we must address. Uh, one of the issues is you have a great product, but can people get to it? You know, If you can't get to it, you can't spend money on it. And that's Dominica's sort of the biggest problem, the biggest hint to further development of tourism and, and basically economic development of the island, at least from where I'm sitting. So we need to find ways to improve access, both sea and air access to Dominica, so that we can move people and in also maybe small, high-value high, uh, agricultural commodities, maybe like cut flowers and, and vanilla and like coffee and some of these things that maybe we will find that we, 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 uh, we, we can uh, export and we can produce it efficiently. So th that's the biggest challenge. And then we have some other, other hiccups that we have to address in terms of quality of our accommodation and some of the infrastructure things. We are getting a lot of publicity, Dominique, uh, a lot of free publicity through editorials. We have a spectacular island, and it's written about all over the place. Uh, so... Again, I don't think the knowledge of the destination is the biggest challenge, even though there's, there's always room for improvement there. But once we, we begin to find some solutions to accessing the, de in the destination, I think we'll see some more interest in further development and we'll see some growth in the tourism industry. So would you consider the absence of an international airport as the single most important impediment to the tourism product in Dominica? I will be less specific than that. I will say the biggest challenge is in getting people to the destination. I think government in 2000 made a decision that they were going to forego doing an international airport at that time. I think that was a strategic blunder, to be honest with you. Uh, but again, you know, there's no to continue crying over spilled milk. I think right now everyone's on board that we need to think about it. Unfortunately, donors have contributed heavily to the upgrading of, of Melville Hall, and it's probably you know putting a lot of valuable assets into something with a limited shelf life, and you can't go back to the same donors and ask for additional monies for a new airport. I think what was proposed at the time with respect to night landing should have been adhered to, the recommendation was to light Melvin Hall as it was, but since then they've redone the terminal and they've done this huge parking area and they've done all of this other stuff. And the ATRs and some of the airplanes that are coming in now, you know, there's doubt as to whether or not they will come in even with these improvements. So, again, this is something that I think we need to be honest about, but again, everything seems to be politically driven in Dominica. And where do we go from here? We certainly need to decide how quickly can we get on with, you know, the uh, an airport that can accommodate flights from faraway places that can get to Dominica where they don't have to overnight 
you know, in San Juan and in Antigua and so forth. I'll just give you an interesting statistic as far as the base can we are able to book uh, about 23 to 6% of the people that are ready, willing, and, and express an interest in Jungle Bay. And the rest, they go someplace else when they figure out how long it would take to get to Dominica and the cost of travel there and so on and so forth. So we're basically able to accommodate a quarter of our potential air travel because people are unable to get to the airport. I mean, if we can double that and accommodate 50%, that will be good. So right now we need to figure a way. I am very disappointed because I would think after 10 years that they would be at the airport is supposed to be lit over the next three to four weeks, I'm told, that they would have been clear, you know, flight plans. We would have the flight numbers that our guests would be able to book late, late night, you know, flights to Dominica coming in, you know, as a result of the night landing. But none of the carriers have... And to to sell that, and my, so my understanding is that after 10 years there is still negotiation. American Eagle, you know, you keep hearing rumors as to whether or not they will or they will not come at the same. So, because really, I think it was ill-conceived to 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 go along this path. Uh, I I think if anyone is to be honest about it, they would really have to admit that. But we can't stop there. We need to now look see. Well, here we are. Now we have an industry, I have Jungle Bay, we've got a lot of tourism facilities here and we're trying to attract. How can we optimize under the present you know, set of circumstances? And that's where we need to focus on. So, Seven, what, what I'm hearing from you is that after this massive investment in night landing, it might not work after all. So that takes us back basically to square one. What is the plan B? Or is there a plan B? I think there are some things that should happen. One, in terms of sea transport, we should get some fast ferries that are based in Dominica that can do a southern and northern run, you know, Guadeloupe and Ibiza and South Martinique and San Lucia. It should be based in Dominica because the ferry services that we have now are very sporadic. They're based elsewhere and they go to Dominica for Creole Festival or for events, but it's not something that you can rely on for a traveler coming in from, you know, Europe somewhere, which is generally where the traffic come, coming into the French islands come from, and also Antigua and uh, St. Lucia. So we certainly need a good fast ferry service that can accommodate some small cargo. That's something that wouldn't be very expensive, and it should be a dumb franchise, and the government should seek to facilitate that. Also, we should seek to increase the number of flights and the connections to Dominica. If we are unable to get the ATRs or the Dash 8, ATR is what the American Eagle fly and the Dash 8, so what the, US, the LIAT fly, if we're able to get them to land, they're concerned that if they decide to land from the ocean, which is where they have to land, that they may not be able to abort their land, elevate and escape the mountains. So that's the challenge that they have. Maybe we should get some twin orders, which is some nice work with, with, uh, with, with, with someone that, that's you know, going to tie something in with the cells and Ross University and so on, and maybe get us to spread the risk and, and get the government involved to get a carrier that will come late at night that can pick up the late evening traffic from Puerto Rico and from, you know, the Condor when it lands in St. Lucia or Virgin or British Airway out of Antigua and Barbados and so forth. So I think this may be the approach, the interim approach now. It's sort of making the best out of the situation, they say when the cat eats your supper, you can't 
just complain about it. You just have to go out and make more. And basically, that's what we have with this airport. We, you know, but it's not enough to sit and just say, well, if we don't have an international airport, basically we can't go anywhere from here. I think we have to find ways to fix the situation, to optimize the situation. Even a bad situation, you can optimize it, and that's what we need to do. But Sam, are you satisfied that on a national level that there is that kind of discussion taking place? Because what I see, and I'm from the outside looking in, I see a, a tremendous emphasis on cruise ship arrivals. Okay, now from the own from the numbers coming from the cruise ship industry last year 2009 dominica made the grand total of 14 million one four 14 million dollars accommodating hundreds of thousands of visitors who come and trample all over the emerald pool all over our sites so it seems to me on a simple cost-benefit analysis that that is a non-starter yet it seems that we are placing so much emphasis on cruise ship tourism to the detriment of the other sectors is that also your sense and is there is there is there a a conversation ongoing in dominica as to how this can be addressed because i i'm just not saying it well I, I, again a conversation is an interesting word people like you to agree with them and that the conversation people don't like people are opinionated like myself involved in a conversation so you know, it, it's it, sometimes you know you're in you're involved in a in in a modest way. So I don't know. Hopefully, there is a conversation between the decision makers, of which I am certainly not included in in that bunch. Uh, and hopefully, they they're going to get some things right. But I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see the evidence, Thompson. I just don't see it. But Sam, how how feasible would it be to to get people in through Guadeloupe and Martinique with the with the um with the ferries? Is that is that a viable option? Well, first off, we have uh, over nine hundred thousand EU nationals living between Guadeloupe and Martinique. That's a lot of people. Dominica is a small tourism market, and just I'll give you an example. We have a second season, which is July August season where Jungle Bay is heavily booked exclusively with traffic to Guadalupe and Martinique. We rely on that. And just the domestic market is very important. When you add that to the Air France, you have coming in from Paris, where people connect from England, Germany, and many places in Europe, and they do vacations in Guadalupe and Martinique. The winters, and actually all year round, and they may have vacation there many times before. They like the idea of Dominica. Dominica is now introduced as a new destination with many of the operators. As an add-on to a visit to Guadeloupe and Martinique, French take a longer vacation. They may take five days to go to Dominica. It becomes very attractive. So how do you get people? Right now, if, you, if you're in Martinique, you can't get any flight to Dominica. Anything at all. So how do you get across when you have a sporadic, you know, ferry service, that's what we're seeing. So we need to have a regularly scheduled if it's every other day from each of those islands so that people can plan their vacations and connect, have that ferry leave late in the afternoon and head to Dominica and leave Dominica early and take people that need to make connecting flights out and also people that want to day shop from Dominica in Guadeloupe, Martinique or whatever and can come back in the evening, the next day turn around and go to to Guadeloupe and do the same thing. If we start with two ferries and we expand maybe to a third one, 
we'll see an increase in traffic. So I think that's extremely viable. The, you know, the numbers are much more easier than airlines. You know, sea uh, travel is much cheaper than airlines in terms of maintenance and the whole thing. So that's certainly one way that we should we should jump into that, you know, rather quickly. And I think this could have a tremendous impact on on our silver rivals in Dominica. You know, sir, I'm I'm thinking that probably part of the problem is our marketing strategy, no? Because when you think of the of the, of the hundreds of thousands of tourists that come to those islands, it would seem to me that if we could just get a, a small fraction of that. That, that would make a huge difference in Dominica. For example, when you travel to Europe, like you travel to England, you, you, you really go to England, but if you go for a week, you might take a day and, and go across to France, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just one hour by ferry, one hour, 20 minutes. I mean, I've done it a, a couple of times myself. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. And it seems to me that it's a question of, of marketing. And, and um, I know there is a... A limitation with regards to resources and we don't have the kind of resources say that the Bahamas or the US uh, or the countries have but is enough been done uh, as far as marketing the island and, and, and making this extra effort to get people because to me that is one way whilst we continue to work on this issue hopefully at some point we'll get the airport that we need but until that happens and even if we were to start building an airport now it might take probably five, ten years to be completed. It would take it would take at least ten, maybe fifteen years. Fifteen years to and complete. Then, and then there would still be a lag time. Wow. Because the huge planes aren't gonna start coming then. Because again, you would need to be able to have the traffic to justify the large planes coming in and so you'd build the airport and hopefully you'd build it in conjunction to hotel construction. But it may be twenty years from the time you decide to build the airport at twenty five years that you really realize the full impact. And you can start with St. Kitts, and you could go to, to Beaufort in St. Lucia, you could go to Point Salinas in Grenada, you could go through all of these islands. And this is, you know, there's a huge lag time. So we can't say we will sit until we get an international airport and that's going to be our, our savior. It doesn't work that way. You know, that is, that is one statistic that I'm just not proud of. You know, Dominica is the only country now in the Caribbean. Well, St. Vincent is doing theirs. We, it was St. Vincent and, and Dominica. St. Vincent is in the process of building their international airport, and we, yet, we, we are yet to see one in Dominica. But, but mm. I, you know, I believe that if we can work on, on just this and just that, I mean, even simply focusing on even this French market and, and doing the promotions in Europe where the tourists are coming from and have them tag on a day or two on their travel or, or probably spend four days in Martinique and two in Dominique or something because clearly yeah. we, have a, we have a much better product than those countries. I've been to both countries several times and the product in Dominica is, you cannot even compare that product. So I, I think it, it boils down to, to how serious we are about tourism actually taking up the slack and, and, and putting our, you know, we, one thing I find, sir, and you can bear me out on this, we are very good in Dominica in talking we like to talk we talk uh, politics we get engaged and in the at the end of the day we don't see enough being done and to me it's very frustrating i'll be very honest with you and and, and um, it can be very frustrating when you think of of the potential that dominica has and where we are you know somebody said you know if we were somebody actually made a comment to me there and said you know if dominica was like the bahamas 
probably would have been 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 better i said well if we were like the bahamas it would probably be the same place because i don't think it's the product because if the bahamas had the product we have we have their product would be i believe their tourism product would be 10 times better okay so i think it's a question of how we set ourselves and what kind of priorities we give ourselves in and and it's kind of disheartening because I see so much time, you know, we waste so much time in politics and, and petty politics at that that don't, you know, that don't address the critical issues. And I, and I think that there should be more thinking on this. There should be um, a, a public dialogue on this, you know. How do we do? Get people to come in. Do consultancies. How do we develop this tourism product? And, and if you're not going to get a, an airport for the next 10, 15 years, it makes sense to begin to see how we can get the numbers in. And without night landing now, if that has failed, it seems to me the next good option is to use those ferries that are, in fact, flying up and down already in our waters. Well, I, 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 again, I want to be clear. I'm not advocating an either ferry or here. I think that we need to do them simultaneously. I think they're both two imperatives. We certainly need the air access, uh, and we need to optimize that, and then we also need to look at the sea, uh, optimizing coming in from the sea. There's another point that you touched on in terms of the resources for marketing. I, I also want to point something out, Tom, that uh, there are ways to stretch the buck. If you don't have $2, you better make $1 work for 2 and if you need it to work for $10, you need to find a way to make it work for $10. So to say you don't have the money, marketing budget that the Bahamas have and so on, hey, you know, you can, you can get a lot of coverage. You know, let me give you an interesting point. You mentioned some of the publications that Jungle Bay have been featured in. Huh? I can tell you, we were, we were even in a major newspaper in Canada this past weekend. Do you know how many magazine and newspaper ads that we've paid for at Jungle Bay, Thompson, take a guess. We've been in over 100 major periodicals. Just take a guess. Suspect none. <laughs> huh? I suspect none of uh, probably 10%, right? Zero. So, so whereas the coverage that we've had at one point, someone did an assessment, Condé Nast pages one time, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, four full pages, on and on. The estimated that the editorial space is worth about $4 million U.S. dollars. It had reached a certain point, and it's far more than that now. We haven't paid a dime for that. So sometimes it, in, it entails us maybe, in some cases, exchanging a few night stays for something or finding some way to cleverly get into some, some network where somebody will put the word in for, for us, whatever it is. But you have to find ways, if you don't have money, you need to figure how you're going to get the word across. And I think that's something that we need to start thinking about and not just putting our hands on our heads and saying that, well, we don't have the big budget for marketing. That's why we're not getting, you know, more. So I don't really buy that. I, I think, you know, in many, many cases, it's been proven, certainly in our case also, that you don't have to have a lot of money. Dominica is an interesting story. And if you can get it, you know, the editorial coverage is even more impressive than the ads because people tend to believe the editorial stuff more than the ads eh? yes absolutely and i think there is a, a certain sense of, of value in fact just a, a, a couple months ago i was approached by a german newspaper to do an article on dominica for that newspaper that was then translated into into german and that's an individual who had just heard about dominica and he was so excited he said this is a product that 
the Germans are interested in and we want to feature it, right. a leading newspaper in Germany. You see, so so here we are, we already have the product. People are coming to us and we seem unable <laughs> or, or, or I guess, you know, unable to, to make, to, to make, you know, to make this extra effort. And I think it's just because our, as I said, our preferences are misplaced. The kind of focus, I'm not saying we should not focus on, on cruise ship visitors, but the emphasis that has been placed as if cruise ship is the end all be all, certainly it's not going to work. A, a fraction of the number of visitors we have, we, we boast of probably half a million cruise ship visitors in Dominica. A fraction, a, a fraction of that 500,000 people would make a huge difference in Dominica's economy. And, you know, it, it is very frustrating, as I've said before, that, that I, I'm not seeing that kind of commitment, you know, that kind of focus from the policymakers in helping to develop that project. Now, I, Sam, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, pro, the product on Dominica, which you talked about, which you mentioned earlier. But let me just remind our listeners that you are listening to this week in interview. Our guest uh, for the whole hour is uh, Sam Raphael. Sam is the owner and developer of Jungle Bay Resorts and Spa in Dominica. This is arguably the leading living facility of its kind in the world and has been featured in all of the major newspapers in the United States. I mean the major ones, the big guys, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the Chicago Tribunes, the, the, um, the Miami Herald, you know, the biggest base papers in the United States are featured this. So this is a very special, and that's not something you find, it's a very special product. But let's talk a little bit more, Sam, about the, 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 our whole um, facilities in Dominica because we talked a little bit about getting the numbers up. Now, assuming that we were able to, to push the numbers can, up. Can, 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 I, can I interject a little just before we, we do that and say, you mentioned something, I don't want to let it slide, in terms of you were doing, you did an article for a German publication. That's correct. We are now seeing a big spike in visitors from Germany. We've been seeing this over the past year, year and a half. Interesting. But Interesting. They 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 are very interested in Dominica now. The Condor flies into Saint Lucia once a week, and Saint Lucia is interested in in increasing, you know, the the number of times it flies in. But they would like to have either places like Dominica where they can share some of that traffic with. Yeah. But how do they get when the Condor gets Saint Lucia in the evening? The people have to spend the night there. And if you have a weekend, you, you don't want to spend a night going in, coming in St. Lucia and a night going in St. Lucia. And therein lies the problem, Thompson. So unless we're able to get those feeders from Beaufort and St. Lucia into Dominica as soon as they land, as opposed to having to go and drive for one hour to Ladera or Tika in St. Lucia, then they may end up spending three nights and then they may just decide, well, they'll just go to St. Lucia because it's more seamless, it's easier. So it goes back to, again, they may be interested in Dominica and may be hooked on Dominica in terms of the Caribbean, but they may end up going to St. Lucia after they realize how difficult it is to get to Dominica. So, again, I think if we have to put a percentage, 50% of our problem or more in tourism is just people being able to get there. How can we improve on it? Now, you asked in terms, you, you touched on in terms of the quality of the product. And I, again, I say that's a tale of two cities. In some cases, I think we have some world-class properties, some world-class small properties. I won't begin to name them because, you know, you're going to put some people on the spot. 
And then we have some properties that we need to improve. Uh, there has been some emphasis on this though, uh, by uh, Invest and Discover Dominica, and I must say that in terms of the standards, they've introduced some new standards. There's been a little kicking and screaming because we like to do things our way, but we must really look at things you know, according to international standards. And I, I have seen some tangible improvements in terms of the quality of accommodations and the quality of experience. Yeah, this is this is this is good because I was thinking also, Sammy, in terms of how can how quickly can we ramp up? Assuming that we were to to build those those numbers, how quickly can we ramp it up? In other words, do you think Dominica should go after this this marquee, um, big name Marriott type? things or should the product continue to be the kinds of, of smaller more intimate type settings what what do you believe better suits dominica well especially in light of the air access situation i do not think that uh, the auditors looking at the country risk assessment would would uh, would uh, support you know the 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 marriott i just don't i don't think that there's a real likelihood that we will be able to attract these guys because they won't be able to get their traffic. You see, and, and you may be able to get a traffic in 35 rooms like a... You, you may be a private person with your own money that don't, doesn't need to borrow money. And so you don't have to deal with PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, uh, um, persons, uh, auditors telling you that the country is practiced too high because it's built. So I think that's what you're going to see happen in Dominica for a while until we improve this access situation. And then after that, I think you'll probably see some larger properties. I don't think you'll ever see the real big Dominica really does itself. Uh, but again, you would probably see a huge improvement in quality quality of facilities when we improve our access to the destination and people then are able to have a more then you get a more high-end visitor would, would be more comfortable coming Okay, Sam, we have a first question for you coming in from the internet and the internet address radio at the dominican.net and in case you want to join the conversation and ask some question directly, you can always call the number 301-458-7467. That's 301-458-7467. And Sam, the question to you from the internet and, and um, Jason is, is writing in and asking when do you think we will start working on an international airport, if at all. Well, again, I have no idea. I mean, I'm not in, in the conversation. I certainly hope that the government... Uh, they did make some announcement. I remember... Uh, Sam, Sam, if, if, you hold, if you hold your question, we have, we have a, a call coming in, so I'm going to take it. Hello, good evening. And, um... Hey, Tom-Tom? Yes. Yes, go ahead, please. Can you ask um, um, if he thinks that climate change, climate change will have any effect on the resilience of uh, the tourist sector, resilience of the tourism sector? In, in, in Dominica? Yeah, because climate change, obviously, especially in small island, small island developing states, mm -hmm. you know, small island... Um, the tourism is in small island developing economies, you know, climate change on the road. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, so, you know, in terms of, you know, if it's going to be... Because I think, you know, um, obviously, um, you can talk about... I don't know if you've talked about the aspect of ecotourism, you know, um, this is which is big, big in, uh, for Europeans. Mm-hmm. So ask him about that. Okay, will do. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, caller, for calling in your question. Sam, can you hear me? Okay, Sam, as I indicated to you, we, we still have not been able to um, work around this, this issue of getting calls in. We are working on it, I can guarantee you that. But the caller wanted to know, and I, I wanted to first of all finish your comment on the on the airport, and then the caller wanted you to address the issue of climate change and what impact you think that could have on Dominica's tourism product. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, again, as, as, as I was saying, um, since Henderson did mention, I think he was Minister of Foreign Affairs, that the government is looking at uh, trying to raise funds in the development of the airport. Certainly, it's, an, it's a decision that will have implications, you know, in the long term, but it's something that we need to make because there's such a lag time that we're going to have between when we build the airport it's fully utilized, I think we need to get on with it as quickly as possible. It will also be a good trigger to investors to let them know that we're moving in this direction and if there are some investors that are on the fence, they would certainly be more inclined to jump in. So my hope is like the caller, like the other people out there, that the government decides that this is something they need to be doing and they they should jump into it right away and hopefully have some positive announcements with some tangible uh, things uh, coming, you know, Things to talk about with respect to, to the airport. In terms of climate change, well, it's that's a global situation, and, and and I mean, the entire planet should be extremely concerned about climate change. It's one of those un- unfortunate things because it's not we don't feel it hitting us in our face all the time, even though we are impacted by climate change and the changes that that uh, we have all around us uh, as a result of of this climate change. We, we're not being proactive about it, but certainly Dominica needs to be at the forefront for a number of reasons because we are so dependent on nature and we're so vulnerable. So we, as, a, as an island, need to, 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 to engage and become involved. I think Guyana, the, gov- the, prime, the president of Guyana, I think, has taken a strong lead on the issue of climate change in the region, and I, I would hope that Dominica, Dominica gets involved and is supportive. But it's one of those things that really needs to be addressed on a regional and a global level, and Dominica should certainly be a leader within this, this discussion. Uh, well, um, Sam, are you optimistic about Dominica's future? Oh, that's an easy one. I'm very optimistic. Something if I wasn't optimistic, I would back to Dominica, you know. Like most Dominicans out there, I, I was in my mid-30s, and I was a successful, you know, real estate developer in the Virgin Islands, and things were okay. And I mean, to decide, you know, I'm going to leave and go back to Dominica, you kind of really have, you're not going to do it because you don't think that, you know, things are going to turn out okay. So I've always been very optimistic about Dominica. I'm more optimistic now. I mean, just tangibly, I think Dominicans universally now agree that ecotourism is a tourism production too. When I first started, you know, the Jungle Bay concept and was working, most Dominicans really wanted to develop a product like St. Mart, you know, so, because that's what they knew. So I've seen in, in my time here some attitudinal changes, 
in terms of preservation of the turtles, preservation of natural environment, and some of these things. So, sure, I mean, you know, there are some things if we allow, you know, they could they could seem to frustrate us. But there are lots of good things happening, a lot of positive things happening. So I, I continue to remain extremely, extremely positive on Dominique. This is excellent. Okay, Sam, I want to change gears just a little bit. And let me remind our listeners again, if you want to join the conversation, 301-458-7467. We are talking to Sam Raphael, who is the owner and developer of Jungle Bay Resorts and Spa in Dominica, a leading ecotourism destination and facility on the island of Dominica, situated between the villages of Delis and, um, is it Poncari, Pit? Pitted Sufre. between Delis and, and Point Carib, right? It's between Delis and Pitted Savan. Delis and Pitted Savan. Okay, um, Sam, I want to just switch gears with the time we have left. And um, you, you also wear a very different hat. And um, I want to talk much more on this because, in fact, one of the things we want to do here on the Dominican.net is to have more discussions about the economy. And, of course, that's my main interest as an economist, and that's something I, I live and breathe on a daily basis. Um, but to talk more about how we can move this country forward. So we'll certainly bring you back to talk more on this issue, which you are very familiar with. But you're also wearing a, a different hat. You are the chairman of the Movement for the Restoration of Democracy. Uh, a movement that was formed right after the December 18 general elections. My question to you is why, what was the motivation for the setting up of this, of this organization? Well, again, it, it, it's a movement and it, it's something that happened basically by natural combust. Uh, it's a, a direct result of the, the blow that was dealt democracy by the December 18, 2009 election, where we saw a number of things. One, there was a, um, you know, the denial of access to media by opposition forces. Uh, there was also massive bribery that took place in Dominica, unprecedented, unprecedented domestically, uh, and also the mass flying down and ferrying in of persons whose, you know, flights and 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 tickets were paid in exchange for their commitment to vote for the Labour Party. And this is, this is, this is totally, totally unacceptable. And, and you can't call your island a democracy. This is how politics is being conducted. So that was sort of the trigger. But there were a, a number of things that are happening that was causing democracy to erode. We, we have a style of leadership becoming more and more dictatorial, you know, with his very little real consultation and respect for differing voices. The opposition is, is being marginalized and, and the opposition leadership is expected and not engaged in decisions that involve the state, which again is mandated by the Constitution. We have a situation where persons sought the office in Dominica and were not qualified based on the Constitution and had very little regard to the Constitution. So these are things that I think that we, we, we can't just pretend, you know, that everything is okay. And as an investor, as a, as a business person, as a Dominican that, you know, have come home, I cannot just play, you know, take care of my hotel and, and allow everything to fall apart outside. So it was imperative for me and for other people to get involved. We came together and formed an organization called the Movement for Democracy, which includes certainly the, the UWP opposition, 
the Freedom Party and several other political parties and just persons interested in the future of Dominica. Uh, this is, it's not a political party, it's a movement, and we are creating a platform to address the issues that are important uh, to, the, to the people of Dominica. And the opposition, after the election, felt that they should not go and sit in Parliament uh, where their colleagues' seats were literally stolen by this mass movement of persons that were carried down. And a lot of Dominicans brought, and I guess we are in a diaspora station, you know, you, you need to be mindful. We all need to be mindful. I don't think anyone maliciously out there in the community decided that, you know, they were going to alter the outcome, but the actions of so many did, and I think we were all duped in this process, basically, by a well-thought-out and well plan to bring people in to alter the impact and then have those people leave and have the Dominicans at home really deal with the consequences. And I, I think this even serves to, to create even bad blood between Dominicans living at home and those abroad because they see Dominicans abroad as not really being engaged and feeling what they're feeling as they come in. And out. So all of those things are of significant concerns and we're dealing with them. In, in light of the fact that uh, the, the the opposition is not going to be entering parliament, they're boycotting parliament, and if called for new elections, free and fair elections, where we have a, a new voter registration list, we have voter ID cards. Dominica still doesn't have any voter ID cards, and there's been evidence of massive fraud, and that there's a guarantee for free and fair access to the media, and that there won't be any bribery, including the mass flying down of persons. Um, we've we've also been calling uh, for a number of things, and, and one of the things that we've established is we've set up what is a, an alternative forum, which is a parliament where uh, the opposition members and the opposition parties, including all political parties and all other persons with concerns, can have a, a platform to voice the opinion. So we had the first parliament that we hosted at Harlem Plaza in uh, about a month ago, which was hugely successful. We're going to have our second parliament in the Marigot Wesley uh, Carib Territory area. It's going to be at the Marigot Credit Union. It's on the 9th of um, the 9th of March. It's going to be at six o'clock, and it's going to be carried live. And hopefully, Thompson, we can connect with this station, and we can carry the entire uh, proceeding live. And it will be a, it's very interactive. People will be able to exchange. We have diaspora participation as well as uh, the general public and the members of, of parliament. In addition to this, we, we also have, there have been a lawsuit filed, by the way. I don't know if Dominicans are aware. A, a number of petitions have been filed to evisciate the election and also call into question the legality of participation of persons who were, according to the Constitution, not qualified to seek office. They were under oath of a different country when they sought the office uh, of, of being a member of parliament. So we have a lot of these things going on for Dominicans abroad. Uh, so it, it's interesting. But we will we will seek to inform, but that's what the movement for, for the restoration of democracy is about. Uh, Sam, what has been the response of the public to the movement? Because I am, I am being told, and, and I'm not on, on the ground, and, but I'm, I've been trying to get a, a sense as to the public's reaction to everything that went on in the past election. And I'm being told that for the most part, the public is apathetic. The public, they don't seem to care. 
people right. seem to believe that okay um a party was elected into office and we should wait until the next five years roll around to again have our say what are you getting what what is the sense on the ground as far as the the, the joe public is concerned well again it's post election fatigue and that's what you're seeing and this we would expect anywhere i think the people have decided pretty much that um you know, let 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 let's move on, and, and 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 I could understand that, and this is very rational. If you could recall, after Obama was elected, I think he had a 70-plus percent approval rating, and right now it's down uh, significantly. So right after an election, you expect that, but it was important for us to let, and it is important for us to let the people know what happened. It's important for the opposition to stand strong, and you, the momentum starts turning around. People more and more are coming out. I tell you, the first people's parliament we had was nothing apathetic. Huh? It was a standing room only occasion, and people now more and more are coming out, and they're seeing what's going on. They're realizing more and more that they've been scooped the process and so on. So it will take a little time, and we certainly expect to go in, you know, to it in a few months and see how it rolls around. And but the momentum is building in our favor for sure. And uh, notwithstanding, we have our work to do in letting the people know exactly what happened and taking the case around the country, which is what the problem is doing. But more and more, we're seeing a stronger and stronger follow. We expect that to continue. We feel pretty good about about where you know where we sit right now, and we think that. Uh, People have realized Dominicans, the general public, the collective conscience of the people of Dominica will recognize that uh, some wrong things really went on uh, and that uh, Dominica needs to take their democracy seriously. And that's what the movement for democracy is seeking to, 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 to educate the people on. That's, that's excellent. I think a key part of that, of that process, I believe, is making people understand that it has nothing to do with your party or supporting your party. You can support your party while still being on the side of democracy and and freedom and ensuring that, as you said, the rule of law is observed. Because any country that fails to adhere to the rule of law goes in, it becomes chaotic. And I've seen that over and over again in several countries. And I believe that it's important for us as Dominicans to, to understand that, that what is critical there is rule of law and that a country has certain rules by which we need to abide. And if we fail to observe those rules, then in the end we have chaos. And today it is our party. Next time it might be somebody else. So it's important for us to safeguard what that precious thing called democracy that exists on Dominica. So Sam, I certainly commend you for that and the work that you have been doing in Dominica. You've led by example. You're one of the examples of the diaspora, as we said, that came back to Dominica and uh, puts your life's worth on the line and through sweat and, and good effort, you're doing a great thing in Dominica. You've certainly revitalized the Southeastern community there in Dominica and I'm, I'm very glad for that, given that I'm, I'm from that part of the island myself so hopefully someday soon we'll be able to follow in your footsteps and do and do similarly and i'm sure that the people are listening continue are continuing to think of ways in which they can give back to dominica in a substantive and very pragmatic way and i'm and, and i'm certainly happy that you could you could join us tonight thank you so much thompson i look forward to continuing the dialogue uh, with you, it's really wonderful to, to speak to you and your audience. I see based on the feedback that we have that the people are listening more and more. I actually sent out the web address 
well, well the, the, the internet address to um, to a number of persons also that was interested here. So so it's good. Uh, and thank you so much for inviting me to, to discuss issues with you tonight. Yes, Sam, and I thank you so much for coming. And let me thank all of the listeners, especially our listeners in Dominica. As you said, we had several of them from Dominica tonight, and we're very thankful for that. And, of course, we have listeners all over the world listening to us. Okay, so Sam, thanks again. I really appreciate that you were able to be with us tonight, and we will certainly have you back as we continue to focus our attention on Dominica and its development going forward. Okay, this was um, Sam Raffaele, owner and developer of Jungle Bay Estates, on this week's interview. Let me just tell our listeners that next week, next week on this week in interview, that is March the 3rd, next week, exactly one week from now at 8 o'clock, our special guest will be Dr. Laurel John Baptist. Dr. Laurel John Baptist is a very interesting young lady. She is a very young um, PhD who resides currently in Canada. She is the co-founder of Squalor Lab and Power Caption. So she's founded her own company there and this has been listed as one of the fastest growing companies in Canada with locations in Atlanta and Toronto. Laurel works with global companies and educational institutions to build innovative, groundbreaking technologies for online learning. So she will be our guest next week on this weekend interview. Uh, another Dominican blazing a trail, a, a young entrepreneur, uh, getting involved in the software development for education and working with the universities um, to do this. Um, she is really an interesting person and we'll be looking forward to that conversation with her next week. Uh, so in our discussion next week, we'll be looking at the whole question of open course, courseware. We're all familiar with um, learning. These, um, all of these universities are now setting up these online learning facilities. So that's where she has her core competence. That's what she's been involved with. So we'll be talking, ab we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the, the benefits, um, of, for educational institutions. And I know that she has a desire to see the same thing extended uh, in the West Indies and in the University of the West Indies. And of course, she, we'll also be discussing the need for more women and women of color in technology and how educational technology can help to rebuild the economies in the West Indies. So this will be a very interesting conversation. So I want you to make this point on your calendar for 8 o'clock on March 3rd for this week in interview. Our guest will be Dr. Laurel John Baptist, a young Dominican entrepreneur out there in Canada who currently heads one of the fastest growing technology companies in Canada. So you want to be sure to join us for this week in interview. Just to let you know again that every Wednesday night after this week in interview, we go into reggae nights with our DJ Sam out there in Austin, Texas, DJ Nights. And of course, tomorrow, every Thursday, every Thursday is Dominican music. So the music you've never heard in a long, or you've never heard or what you've heard, but in a very long time, you'll be hearing again for the whole day. It will be news and music from Dominica up till six o'clock when we go to Experience Creole. 
and on saturday i would like to encourage you to join me every saturday from five to seven for scrapbook scrapbook is a very interesting program where we look at any and everything pertaining to dominica we do interviews with different people we let you know what's going on on island and it's, it's a great show last week we had um frederick baron from dominica talking about the project the sma project and if there are any old boys for sma listening to me tonight let me tell you that you can you can certainly contribute towards this project that was just been launched uh, the 1000 old boys project for the academy to refurbish the school get new furniture for the young kids that are going to school currently and all you need to do is to contribute $15 minimum towards this effort so we had Frederick last Saturday talking about this project and all the great work that is going on there in Dominica um, we'll have another exciting program for you on Saturday so be sure to join me all right let me tell you again it was great to be on your radio I look forward every Wednesday to be with you and certainly I'll be looking forward to be with you next week.